podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference, soon to be 14, then 12. I was an art major. I avoided math classes, classes at all. Uh, possibilities throughout college, so don't ask me to try and figure out the math on any of that. We'll cover them all until they're gone and before they get here and yada, yada, yada. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us today with me. The true trio of the 1012 podcast on Mondays. We're all here after a few weeks of wibbly wobbly, timey wimey, who knows what's going to show up or not. Uh, Andy Metz. How's it going? It's good to be back. It's good to have you, sir. It's good to hear your voice. It is. It's uh, those sultry tones really just make Sunday night so much better for us. <laughs> I don't know if I believe that for a second. Well, you know, I, I, I praised Jamie so much. I thought you could use a, a, an emotional boost, you know, just. That's all right. I will take it. Not that you need one after Saturday. Uh, also, Fair. speaking of Jamie, JSJ herself, Jamie Steyer Johnson. Yep, I'm um, I'm here. I have I have remnants of a voice. Uh, it, it's got like the nice deep tones of someone who went to their first concert in a long time. So, props to me on that one. Who are you jamming out to there, JSJ? The Wombats, they're my favorite band. And wait, okay, I have to tell this story. I'll keep it quick, but it's the most insane thing. So I go with a couple of my friends, and we're in Kansas City, and we go to this place that has, like, booths for different food, and it has a bar. So we're just sitting there, and this guy walks by our table, and I'm mid-sentence talking to my husband, and my jaw drops and I had like I fully turned my head staring at this guy he's wearing a mask but I'm like that's the lead singer and the opener went on at eight o'clock this was at 7 30 I'm like he shouldn't like he wouldn't be out right now but that is his doppelganger and so like he like was clearly just like trying to get out of there pretty quick and so I'm like, okay, that doesn't make sense, but like, oh my god. And my husband saw him too and was like, mm. we're at the show, and in between a couple songs, he's just like, yeah, I went out 
uh, to grab food and do a little walkabout. They're British, so they have the fun terminology. And it looks like everyone's hammered tonight. And I turned to my friend and I shrieked. I screamed so loud. Like it was him. It's the lead singer, my favorite band. He walked right in front of my face. I didn't say That's what you get for doubting yourself. I know. This is gonna this is number one, my villain origin story. Number two, the <laughs> the turning point in my life. I'm never doubting myself again. I'm doing everything I want for the rest of my life. I'm I'm just gonna believe in myself. And that is the true villain origin story. That, yeah. I'm I'm gonna get real weird with it. Oh crap. <laughs> Philip, we're all doomed. No, no, no. The evolution of this occurring, we're going to get to enjoy the podcast week by week by week. And about a year from now, like, it's going to reach the culmination of of evil JSJ. And In a couple of weeks when thing. I have my face tattooed. <laughs> no, no. Skip the face. Full neck. Full neck. The whole, Just the whole thing. Okay, but on the real, though, I'd rock it. I'm not going to do it, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my oh. gosh. Okay. Uh, speaking of speaking of rocking, the way I want to do today's show, we're not going to recap game by game from Saturday that we passed. I want to talk about teams in a variety of different ways because I, I sit here and I, and I look at the standing on the men's side, and you know, coming into conference play, early in conference play, who did we all think were the the the, the bottom of the Big Twelve, right? The, the teams that were going to really mess some things up for some teams. Who would be sitting at the bottom? Oklahoma State and Kansas State, right? That's that's kind of the consensus that we had. Yeah, pretty much. Are we good with that? Okay. Um, what If I had told you at the beginning of conference play that we'd be sitting here roughly 10 games through conference play, so more than halfway through, and um, Kansas State and Oklahoma State, they're in the back half of the conference. They are. Uh, they're sixth and seventh. Bringing up the rear, the seven losses as opposed to the six that the Wildcats, the Cowboys, are currently sitting with. Sitting with seven losses are Oklahoma, Iowa State, and West Virginia. Considering how Iowa State started the season, considering how good Oklahoma was in non-conference, and, and similarly West Virginia as well, the fact that those three teams are sitting at the bottom of the conference standing, 3-7 and seven for Oklahoma, 3-7 and seven for Iowa State, 2-7 and seven for West Virginia because they got a game to make up, is, I think it's the most shocking thing to me that those are the three teams that we're looking at right now at the bottom of the conference going, we have to have a real conversation about their postseason situation at the moment. I'm actually trying to look up schedule notes right now for those because i think at least part of that yeah we're gonna break that down one by one i'm more just like general view of the fact that and and iowa state west virginia is gonna be the perfect um team to to go down that road with as jamie and i were kind of looking for before we got started so let's just go down this one let's let's take this path west virginia i'm heading into saturday's game against at home against texas tech i looked at lenardi who always puts his tweets out his his updates not the full bracket just notes and he had west virginia as one of the the first four out um, he put, tweeted out his little graphic on Sunday. They weren't first four out. They weren't next four out. And then he even has like three like next up. They weren't among those either. So West Virginia is completely off the bubble. Actually, ironically, one of the teams on the like next up, those just three little ones that he adds as like three alternates was Kansas State, which was just, we can talk about that in a minute. West Virginia is completely out of it. West Virginia is on a seven game losing streak now. You're like, man, this team has lost it. They're they're just they're going downhill. It's not good. Let me read you the seven game losing streak and who they have played. At Kansas, Baylor, at Texas Tech, 
Oklahoma, at Arkansas, at Baylor, and Texas Tech. Of those seven games, they played Baylor and Texas Tech twice. Plus a road game at Kansas. And we can talk about the, the Oklahoma and the Arkansas game. Arkansas is on the road. You know, it, that's just still a good team. They're on like an eight-game winning streak, so you got them at the wrong time. And Oklahoma, I mean, it was Oklahoma pretty much won that game. And Oklahoma's not playing all that great either. But that's one of those top of games, like, you're going to lose games like that in the Big 12, right? So I, I'm not, like, and they played good games, West Virginia, against Baylor on the road and against Texas Tech. I really thought they were going to be able to get that win against Texas Tech on Saturday, and they just could not close that game out. Had it within three, couldn't do squat on offense, I mean, at all. Texas Tech's defense really good. Like, you look at that and you go, okay, maybe West Virginia's situation isn't quite as dire as we think it is. Yes, you hate losing that many games in a row, but it's not like you lost that many games in a row to the teams we thought would be bad with the bottom of the conference. Four of those seven losses are to Texas Tech and Baylor. <laughs> and you throw in Kansas. I mean, part of that's just a really unfortunate situation with the schedule for West Virginia. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's yeah. kind of like how... Iowa State started off with such a gauntlet. And so it's like, all right, they've got the opportunity to bounce back. They haven't to the degree that one would like, but it's very possible in the Big 12 to put together stretches that are really, really unfriendly. And then there's, I mean, you can't really put together easy stretches by any sense, but there's easier times than others. Yeah, I mean, I think the main thing that comes to mind here is you look at those three, none of them, I'm sorry, in terms of recently, you know, like once Big 12 play started, none of them have any bad losses. Like, I think that's really the main thing and why the vast majority of these teams are at least still in the conversation for making the NCAA tournament. Um, Because, I mean, you look at it, like losing both games to Baylor, losing both games to Texas Tech, those aren't bad losses. It's going to happen. You're going to find a team, I mean, Look at Ken Palm. Both of those teams are ranked in the top 15. Like you, unless you are one of the top 25 teams, like you don't normally expect to split those sorts of games. You're, you're much more likely to lose both of those games than to win one of them. So it's one of those things. Yes. The fact that there are so many losses that are piling up is worrisome if you're trying to make a push for the NCAA tournament, but they also have a lot of opportunities for that one marquee win that they need to take that resume and put it over a mediocre ACC team that doesn't have an opportunity to get that giant win or, you know, an SEC team that that is middling in conference, but had some out of conference losses that they really shouldn't have. And like, there is a lot of, uh, I, I should say, there's a lot of opportunities for these teams to get the wins that they need. The problem, of course, obviously, is that they have to actually get some of the wins. You have to think that there's going to be some upsets. We've seen quite a few upsets um, so far in, in, in the Big 12. The question is, though, a lot of the top teams are now solidifying the rotations, finally figuring out what it is that the problem is, and getting to the point where it's going to be tough to beat a team like Kansas, a team like Baylor, you know, a team like Texas, or even a team, uh, you know, I'm trying to come up with a number four, or Texas Tech was the other one I was thinking of, and for some reason I couldn't think of them. I was jumping into Iowa State, even though Iowa State's been struggling. Like, it's one of those things where there are so many good teams that are solidifying what they do now that it's going to be hard to get those marquee wins if you don't already have them. Some of these teams already have a marquee win that they can point to as a, hey, we can beat a top team. And that's what the NCAA Tournament Committee wants to see, is not necessarily that you have avoided losses against good teams, but that you've shown you have the ability to beat a good team. 
And so that's really what I think what's going to come down to. You give West Virginia one of those, if they can pull an upset against Baylor um, or Kansas, like that's going to be huge for them. Actually, I don't think Baylor because I think that West Virginia has already played Baylor twice. But like if they can pull an upset against Texas, then that's going to be huge for them. You know, if they can pull that upset against Kansas when Kansas comes to visit, that's that should be enough, honestly, to you know rocket them up, assuming that they don't lose to Kansas State or Oklahoma State. Like if they if they can keep themselves there then they have the opportunity to get those big wins that they need. I'm less concerned about Iowa State in this situation. Like, continuing, they've got to get some wins. Um, they don't have any bad losses. they got a home loss at TCU, which isn't as bad as we thought. Seven total losses. The other six are all quad one. They have six quad one wins, which really bolsters their resume. So, like, they've, they've got the wins. Now, we can talk about the fact that they have eight quad four wins, but, you know, so does Texas Tech, and Texas has nine. So, I don't, I don't think that's going to be held against them too much. Um, so I got the quad one wins right now, and the losses aren't bad for Iowa State. Oklahoma and West Virginia are in a similar, not as great boat. Um, and, and Oklahoma still seems to be projected to be in. We'll see how much longer that goes. Uh, West Virginia, two and eight in quad one, four and oh in quad two. So that's nice. Oklahoma, two and eight in quad one, four and one in quad two. So if you combine the quad one, quad two, that's great. But the quad one wins are what they're missing. And that stuff does matter to, to help bolster the overall resume. Those are what you need. Now, look, like you said, there's plenty of opportunities for these two teams. And to some extent, they just kind of need to win some games. Like Oklahoma is not as bad of a losing streak, but they've lost, what, seven of their last eight. Their only win being that road win at West Virginia. Like It's not like they're doing a great job either. The tricky part for Oklahoma here is, let me, so I really want to talk West Virginia and Oklahoma because these are the two where I'm like, these two teams are in the precarious spot of the Big 12 falling from seven tournament teams to six tournament teams. To their upcoming schedule gives them plenty of opportunities for some good wins, but it's tough. Texas Tech at home, at Kansas, home for Texas, at Iowa State, at Texas Tech. That's the next five. Now, they end with what feels like it should be probably pretty close to a 3-0 and with OSU at home, West Virginia home, and at Kansas State, but... The next five are, to me, the make or break for the season. They're sitting at 13 and 10 overall. They've, they've lost three in a row. Like Oklahoma sitting here on a, on a very precarious spot of, you better find a way to at least win some of these at home. Because Texas and Texas Tech are going to finish as quad one wins if you beat them on your court. Road game at Kansas, that's tough. At Iowa State, I mean, that's a quad one. Iowa State's going to finish high enough. That should be a quad one win. At this point, any road win in the Big 12 remains a quad one victory. That's how good the Big 12 is. Kansas State was sitting at 75, and then they uh, they beat TCU, and now they they pushed themselves up. So that's good. Oklahoma, to me, is on a more precarious spot than West Virginia. West Virginia's situation is, is a little bit different. Here's their next five. Iowa State, at Oklahoma State, at Kansas State, Kansas, at TCU. And you can go one further and say at Iowa State. It's a much they're getting a bit of a reprieve after the last seven games they played, the last six games in conference play. The next six look much better. And I think will give us a better reflection of is this, how good this West Virginia team actually is. I don't think it's a bad team. I think it's a team that's gone through a gauntlet and that has the fact that they have continued to lose these games is having an effect on them. Can they turn things around against an Iowa state team? That's kind of moving backwards. Can they get a win at Oklahoma state who we've seen can be good, but is inconsistent and has a hard time closing games at Kansas State, who's up and down. Like, both of these teams have 
real opportunities. But what's interesting to me in looking at this is I almost feel much better about West Virginia making their way in back into the tournament to some extent than I do Oklahoma keeping keeping their spot in it right now. I think I think to that point, West Virginia has a win over Connecticut in the in the non-conference. Mm-hmm. You know, a ranked mm-hmm. win against a team that is still ranked at this point. Um like that win against Arkansas was great for Oklahoma, but Arkansas is not considered to be, you know, a top team right now. It's quad um, one yes, win. it's going to be a yes, it's going to be a quad one win. But like, if if you're looking at names that jump off of like, hey, that's a good win that could carry some cachet. It's going to be good for accumulation stats, but it's not like a marquee win that you can point to, like West Virginia has with with UConn. Um, that being said, they still do have more opportunities to be able to go ahead and get those wins moving forward, but that also then runs the risk of you've actually got to get one of them. And so I think Oklahoma has a harder time avoiding losses moving forward, but they also have more opportunities to get a big win that can counteract a larger number of losses than West Virginia has. West Virginia basically has home against Kansas. And then uh, what's the, the home game against Texas to end the year. If you're looking for a marquee win that they can then point to, um, so, like, it's one of those things, if they need another one, if the UConn one isn't enough for you, and they need another one, they don't have very many opportunities. And that's what would worry me as a West Virginia fan. You have the opportunity to accumulate more wins because you're not playing the very top of the conference multiple times. But, if it, you know, it, I, I think it really just comes down to what are you more worried about as the hole in your resume? Those those top wins that show you can compete with the best teams in the, in the NCAA tournament, potentially get a win, and that is enough to push you over or just avoid more losses. If you just want to avoid more losses, then West Virginia has the advantage here. If instead you need more opportunities because none of these losses they're going to have the rest of the way could be a bad loss. Like I am having a hard time looking at any of these teams in the big 12 and considering those losses to be a bad loss. Barring of course, you know, you get completely blown out, especially at home. Like if you lose by 30, that's a bad loss. I don't care how good the team is. Right. Well, I'm sorry. Losing losing the last game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Losing the last game of the season home to TCU probably by 30, probably not going to be a good thing. Right, I, right. I would say this for West Virginia, um, and I would say this for Oklahoma. History has shown that finishing one game under 500 in conference play is not going to be held against you in the Big 12. Two games under 500? That's a very precarious situation to be in. I, th- I think it's happened once. A tournament, te- a, a team from the Big 12 has finished two games under 500 and made it to the NCAA tournament. Oklahoma and West Virginia. Oklahoma's at three and seven. Iowa State's at three and seven. West Virginia's at two and seven. Eight and ten. Eight and ten is two games under five hundred, or is, is a game under five hundred. And Oklahoma, I believe the team that did that, I think yeah. that was a TCU team that was like eight and ten going into the tournament and got two tournament wins. So yes. they ended up one game below if you count the tournament team. So. For Iowa State, Oklahoma, and West Virginia, that's going to require, obviously, more losses, wins and losses. For Iowa State and Oklahoma, that's five and three down the stretch. For West Virginia, that's six and three down the stretch. If you ask me based off of how many games they have and who they're facing the rest of the way, I feel better about that for West Virginia. Now, they've got to, they've got to break whatever mental thing is messing them up right now because of the... And, and Jamie, I kind of want you to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Like, this a losing streak like this, and lo- now you're losing games where you're in it and can't close the game. Yeah. 
that's that to me is the most important part for West Virginia right now is can you get the win you need to snap out of what's going on and can you get it quickly? Yeah, and that's that's the thing we were talking about before we started recording is I've obviously been very, very close proximity to a lot of different kinds of teams and so you see how that kind of fleshes out and um obviously it's i've been around more women's teams but i'm around plenty of guys as well and and the psychology of it isn't all that different one way or the other but it definitely gets into your head it and well i won't say it definitely gets into your head it can get into your head but that's where the kind of team you are kind of shows through and so i keep talking about this particular point in the season as the most crucial for starting to figure out a team's true identity and and who a team really is because you start getting into the second round of playing and so for so many different reasons that's both a bigger challenge but it also can be a huge benefit and so there's a little bit less of that randomness factor to it and again in a, in a conference like the big 12 you still get some of that randomness but if west virginia doesn't turn it around pretty much immediately that's a really 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 big red flag that it's going steeply downhill and fast like in my opinion i don't think they're gonna go split the rest of their games I think they're either going to go win a bunch or they're going to go lose a bunch more because the capability to win a lot of them is there. But if you're not going to turn the corner pretty much right away, you lose having anything to play for because you knock yourself out of the tournament. And then how are you going to get your motivation up then? Agreed. So what you're saying is that if I'm an Iowa state fan, I should be worried. <laughs> I mean, sorry, I, I couldn't. No, help it. I mean it's it's a it's a fair point to make because once you get to a certain point, it's it's the same for several teams right now. Is you still have something to play for, but that can change very quickly. And so the the second that you put yourself in a position where it's a win or you're statistically basically done, it it kind of brings out whether you're going to fight for it or whether you just can't get it done. And so whether it's an effort thing, whether it's a circumstances thing, whatever it may be, if you lose a couple more games and you're knocked out of the NCAA tournament, then it's like, okay, well now, yeah, we, we don't have as much to play for. And I think that the difference with Iowa state is still that you have just so many mitigating circumstances you would still have the expectations coming into the season were so low that I think the players still have something to prove even if they really took a downturn and knocked themselves out of the NCAA tournament you still have something to play for and prove and I'm not saying that West Virginia doesn't either but I think there's just a little bit of a different mindset there but again I'm not around West Virginia I'm not really around the men's team either but um it's yeah it it just kind of shows you where teams end up mentally well and just to clarify i wasn't saying about like iowa state worrying about their chances i was more specifically talking about the fact that hey west virginia oh, need to win they need to win yes, immediately yes, yes. that's who they're playing next but you kind of did open the door to that i mean looking at who iowa state has like they have 
some extremely motivated teams coming up the rest yeah. of the way. I mean, West Virginia needs that win immediately, kind of like what you're talking about, and it's on the road for for Iowa State. Then they play Kansas State at home, and this Kansas State team has a bunch of new life. They have guys that are just absolutely killing it right now, yeah. like way above expectations. Um, you know, TCU needs a, a big win to kind of bounce back from that loss to Kansas State. And yes, they were, you know, they were without Mike Miles for that game against Kansas State. But TCU is going to need some big wins here pretty quick. There's too. no asterisk on win or loss. Like, right, exactly. Like, it's you're so, without I mean, it's your one player. Of those... No one's going to remember that. Sorry. Well, and that's the other thing, too, is that there are so many teams this year that are missing players. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, you know, no LJ Cryer for Baylor. Kansas doesn't have Remy Martin. Like, you've got players that were expected to be giant contributors to particular teams, even for the guys at the top of the conference that are missing. So it's about being able to overcome that adversity. Like, yeah, that's not going to be a good enough excuse. It'd be different if a guy got injured for, you know, a 10 game stretch was, and they were night and day different when he was gone. And then he comes back and they get back to their winning. Like then you could like potentially maybe you discount get a some little of those, bit but, leeway there, but that's not right. the situation. But yeah, that's not the situation for, for TCU at all. But these are a bunch of teams now coming up back to back to back for Iowa State. Oh, and you can add a few more backs in there that really need huge wins. And Iowa State is still a ranked team at this point. I'm not sure if they will be come when the when the poll comes out. Um, but they're still considered to be a quality team. It would be a quality win for any of these teams. And if they can get more than one, the the, the problem I think at some point becomes how much like Iowa State could easily be entering danger territory. I think right now all of us think that they're okay, that they'll probably get it turned around enough against some of the people that they have on the schedule. But they have but there's to do enough, that. Yeah. There's enough landmines in the schedule that if they end up, like, I don't even think that they are immune to, like, an, an 8 and 10 being an issue for them in the Big 12 Conference because, you know, they have a lot of their big wins have kind of turned out to, necess to not necessarily be as big as we thought. That Memphis win, you know, they were ranked when when that win happened for Iowa state, but that doesn't look anywhere near as good now as it did back then. And so some of the shine has come off of some of the non-conference stuff they're doing. So they need to stabilize it now so that it becomes more of a, Hey, we had a rough stretch, but everything seems to have righted the ship. And, and the, the other thing to keep in mind is I know the NCAA doesn't officially have a, you know, last 10 metric to use as part of the weighting, but you cannot tell me that, you know, the committee when they're going and making selections do not account for how a team is currently playing. Like they'll look at the resume. They'll probably use that to get the teams that they want. But, you know, at some point they put the names on the, on the resumes there and you look at it and you know how they're doing in the last few, it may not be on the fact sheet, but if you know that there's a team that's doing really well in the last like four or five games, just absolutely killing it. You're going to put them in over a team that limped in down the stretch to, to, to be able to get in that conversation. I mean, we've seen teams who limped in at the end of the season, still be able to get in over teams who were, hotter at the end of the year yeah but usually there's something in the resume that oh, no it's it's called having trey young um okay oh, oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> i completely missed it that went right over my head Philip. yeah it's all right it's a yeah uh pulling up all uh lenardi's bracketology the he'll have the full bracket on tuesday he says but his sunday graphic oklahoma last four buys bottom of the last four buys um kansas state so as I mentioned, like I, all the Kansas State fans are like, however many to 18, because they're like, we got to get 18 wins, and that's going to do it. And I'm like, used to the metrics was if you got 20 wins, you were pretty much going to get in. Um, and even that doesn't really matter anymore. Look, next four out, Memphis, Utah State, Belmont, St. Louis. Next, Michigan, Virginia Tech, 
Kansas State. So they got a lot of work to do, but the fact that they're even at that point in, in this, and West Virginia's not there, is impressive. But you go look at the resume for Kansas State. They've got four quad one wins. That's more than Oklahoma and West Virginia. That's actually as many as them combined. Went over Texas Tech, road win at Texas, went over road win at TCU, and road win at Wichita State, which keeps bouncing back and forth between a quad one and a quad two, but it doesn't matter. Uh, for Kansas State, and and the fact that they're even in the spot, that Lenardi's even putting them on there, is worthy of being talked about. They've won two in a row. Got a win at home over Oklahoma State. Uh, an impressive, impressive late hit. I, I don't want to talk about Oklahoma State right now. Um, getting the win at TCU. I know TCU didn't have Mike Miles, but it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. As Jamie said, there's no asterisks here. That game counts as a win. Looking at what they have coming up, they got a, the next four. Baylor at home, at Iowa State, West Virginia, at Oklahoma State. If this 18 thing or whatever, I don't, I don't know. But looking at the schedule they have, this is the Big 12. There's plenty of opportunities to turn your season around. I'm not going to sit here and say Kansas State's making the tournament. Like, I, I, I would be, I'm happy to be wrong about that. Happy to be wrong. I don't think it's going to happen. But if they're, if Lenardi is at least saying that that's the point that they're at, looking at the next four games, going three and one in some way here, I think the next four games could really decide if that's a possibility for them. I do. I, I think it's the next four. After if if you can go three and one in this next four, and that probably means a loss to Baylor. But Baylor's not healthy. I mean, we just saw what happened to Baylor at Kansas, and I and I get that 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 snowballed, and I'm not going to take that as like Kansas is actually 30 points worse than or Baylor's actually 30 points worse than Kansas. That was that Saturday, but Baylor's health issues are affecting them. They're at their most vulnerable, Kansas State. Kansas State has an opportunity over the next four games to really put themselves into legitimately the conversation of trying to be a Big 12 team in the NCAA tournament. Which is honestly absolutely insane to think about. Isn't it? I mean, I just want to like, like, ah, I'm not going to do this on my own. Lenardi did it first, so I'll piggyback (laughs) back off of him. I'm going to ride his coattails here and just, well, it was Lenardi. Now, Now, granted, if you pay attention to a lot of the bracketology community, a lot of them are... Um, dragging Lunardi a little bit. He's the most most recognizable one, um, but there are definitely other people that are more accurate. I have not done the legwork, though, to actually go out and look and see, does, is anyone else talking about Kansas State? I, I, honestly, as well, because I don't think most other people will go as far to talk about their process of, or the teams that are creeping up as a guy like Lunardi will. So it's very possible that Kansas State is kind of like right there behind the bubble for a lot of other bracketologists, and just nobody is saying anything about it yet. I don't know it for Kansas State fans like don't get don't get your hopes up but you know again Kansas State's not one of the teams at the bottom of the conference they're sitting there with Oklahoma State at four and six okay total record whatever they're in a better spot to finish at 500 pick 12 play based off where they stand right now than Iowa State Oklahoma and West Virginia are so here we are. Kansas State. You know, I really wish Kansas State was one of the big schools, or the Big 12 schools available at Home Field Apparel. Alas, they are not. I'm sorry, Kansas State. That's probably a mean segue, but here we are. Uh, <laughs> South Carolina is now, and uh, I'm going to be honest, it's pretty awesome. 
pretty awesome collection. They are the latest Big New Saturday Season 3 edition for Homefield, uh, for Homefield Apparel's Big New Saturday. South Carolina, this stuff is fantastic. Apparently, North Carolina State's coming. It may be this week's. I don't know. Somebody mentioned that. I believe it is. I believe it is. I'll be very interested to see what that what that looks like. They're okay, throwing out some uh, some really big time women's basketball schools. Well, this was Look, a. I'm going to be honest. When you say North Carolina State, I do not immediately think of NC State. I, it's really weird for whatever reason. That's um, not like the connection the, in your brain. It's, right? Yeah, NC it's just State like you said North Carolina NC. State, and I'm like, wait a minute, what Division two school are we getting excited about now? Because you know they do pull those out there at times, and I'm like, oh wait a minute, no, that's NC State. What the heck is wrong the with Wolf my head Pack. right now? The Wolfpack. I mean, this is a basketball centric Big New Saturday. That this whole thing is basketball centric. So, adding South Carolina, adding NC State, obviously Cincinnati getting Auburn added. Like this is a this is a good collection. This is a good collection. Of course, the Big 12 schools that are available right now, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, Texas, Texas Tech, Iowa State, Baylor, future Big 12 schools in BYU, Cincinnati, who was the first of the Big New Saturday collection out there, Houston and UCF. Everything at Homefield Apparel is amazing. It is the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel you will find anywhere. T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers. The Gonzaga stuff was good. The Cincinnati stuff was really good. The Cincinnati stuff was really good. Like, let's just... It, it, it was. Okay. If you have not bought yet, I mean, apparently there's a lot of South Carolina fans that got, it, it got launched and they're like, what's Homefield Apparel? I'm like, how do people not know what Homefield Apparel is? If there's a Big 12 fan yeah, who don't know about Homefield Apparel, it's because you don't listen to podcasts, which I get it, fine, whatever. But like, you, you just get your head buried in the sand? This stuff is amazing. You should want what they have. You should want to wear it. You'd be like, would be the guy who doesn't have Hey, wait, wait. If you're a Big 12 fan who does not know about Homefield Apparel, you obviously have not been listening to this podcast. Or any of the podcasts, the 1012 Network. I mean. Right. Or the other Seriously. podcasts in the country that cover sports that have Homefield as a sponsor. Or pretty much any stuff. other college football podcast in the world right now. So. The good ones. The good ones do. Uh, right. Whether they are sponsored by the good brand or not, I can guarantee you that 99% of all podcasts about college football have at least talked about home, home field apparel at some point. That's fair. That's fair. Paid to talk about them, I can't guarantee. But uh, yes. that is, you know. They're not. They're not picky. Yeah, no. Generous but picky. That seems. That seems like a good description. Homefield Apparel promo code Network Twelve N E T W O R K One Two. That will get you fifteen percent off your first order. I doubt any South Carolina fans. South Carolina fans are tar. My God, I'm butchering this. I doubt that any South Carolina Gamecock fans are listening to our show. But the Big Twelve fans that are, if you haven't checked out the selection yet, go and do so. Yes, there's a Big 12 school coming. Keep watching, people. Keep, keep watching. Network 12, 15% off your first order. Be rocking the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel. Right away. There's only one place to get the best daily audio coverage of the Kansas Jayhawks, and that's here on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Join me, your host, Andy Mitz, every weekday as we go through all the biggest stories affecting your favorite college teams, whether that's football, basketball, tennis, soccer, baseball, softball, volleyball, or any other team that the Kansas Jayhawks put forward. If there's a story to cover, we grab a guest from across the sports landscape and bring that story to you. Find it now wherever you get your favorite podcasts. 
current and former athletes, members of the athletic department, and of course the best fans in the country all make up a very special group we like to call the Cyclone Family. Join me, Jamie Steyer Johnson, as I bring you closer to the people that make Iowa State unique each week on the Cyclone Family Podcast. Some names you may know, while others may be new to you, but one thing's for sure, this is one family reunion you won't want to miss. Each week on the Cyclone Family Podcast. Okay, let's touch on the women's side, uh, and then we've got a few other random things, football-related, that I want to talk about. Um, on the women's side, I'm going I'm to make this statement. And if it seems bold, great. And if I'm wrong, fine. Texas is out of the running for the Big 12 regular season title. After losing back-to-back games to Baylor, they done. They're sitting at 5-5 five and five in conference play. And I realize that's just like three and a half games behind Iowa State and Oklahoma because of the number of games everybody's played. Um Texas obviously has a game to make up that Iowa State and Oklahoma don't. But again, that five, it's three and a half. It's not just three, it's three and a half. They have another game they have to make up. They have to cram into the schedule that Iowa State and Oklahoma do not. The Cyclones and the Sooners sit at nine and two. Baylor is at seven and three. They've got an extra game to make up. Kansas State at seven and four. Kansas at six and four. Texas at five and five. Forget everybody else. I don't know. Nobody else is even going to make, is making the tournament. This is a. This is a six-big lead this year, I think. Jamie, if I'm wrong on West Virginia and you think they have a shot, cool. Let me know. I feel like this is a six-big lead this year. But Texas is out. Yeah, I mean, like, technically not, but rationally, yeah. Like, they, they yeah. Like, I, I said this before, not on here, but that if either team got swept in this, Baylor, Texas, double showdown, they were out. Well, and the problem here isn't that they're three and a half games back of the lead. It's they're three and a half games back of two different teams. Like if this was something where, say, Iowa State was at nine and two and Oklahoma and Baylor were both at like seven and three or seven and four and you had to like leapfrog, yes, a bunch of teams, but you really only needed to make up like a game and a half to get into second place, then it would be doable because then you just need some good stuff, you know, from one team. You need good results. But to have it for two different teams, two teams that are very hot right now, um, you know, that are playing really well. Um, yeah, it's just I just don't see it happening at this point. Um, you know, I mean, as much as I want to say that I think Kansas is even still in the running for it, it's going to be tough for them to be able to do it. Um, you know, barring like they're going to have to win against all the teams that are ahead of them going the rest of the way. And I don't know that that's possible for this Kansas team as good as they're, as, as they're playing at this point. Um, it really feels like it's it's going to come down to Iowa state and Oklahoma, you know, with a couple games of separation over everybody else, except for maybe Baylor. Yeah. I mean, Baylor's right in there still for better as, as much as I hate to have to <laughs> like amend that and say that like, no, they're 100% still in the running. And that's just because they've beat Iowa state once and still have to play them once. And so they could, take Iowa State out of it. And then Oklahoma swept them, but Oklahoma still has to play Iowa State again, and they still have to play K-State again, who absolutely blew them out the first time. And so if you just look at the way things are stacked up up top, absolutely, Baylor is still right there in it. But they could be taken out of it pretty easily but they they're they've been so hot. They've been so so hot with the way that they've been playing, obviously accepting 
the way they played against Oklahoma. But even that wasn't like not being hot. It's just that Oklahoma's pretty dang good. So. Oklahoma's good. Yeah, Baylor, Baylor is like one. like it was just a close game. Oklahoma's yeah. coming on top of. So yeah. it's not even like oh you figured something out. Oh Baylor had a slip up. Oh you just had got a win. Like played better than them that day. Well, and it's 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 funny too because you know Baylor, you you want to potentially count them out at this point just because of the way the standings are and how great the two teams above them are playing right now. But Baylor on the women's basketball side feels to me like Oklahoma does on the football side. Until they're mathematically eliminated, you never they're say that they don't have a chance. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a it's a bizarre situation, and there's really specific reasons why all three of them are honestly on pretty equal footing right now. And it's not worth going into like every game by game situation as to why that is probably, but like, it's, it's a very, very tight race at the top. Yeah. It... Basically. I mean, no, none of those three can lose a game that they should win. They cannot, none of those three can lose to Oklahoma state. Iowa state's already done with them. They can't lose to TCU. They can't lose to Texas tech, which is a big one because Texas tech absolutely has the ability to knock teams off. And West Virginia is kind of the same too. Those bottom four, you can't lose to them and probably win the conference at this point. Yeah. I mean, I do think it's a three team race. No offense to Kansas state, but I, I, I think this is a three-team race. Like Kansas State still has a shot here, but they've got one game against Baylor. They've already got swept by Iowa State. Um, they've got another game against Oklahoma. But I, I just I feel like with the four losses, they they are a full two games behind Iowa State and Oklahoma. I feel like they have so much more ground to make up there, and because Iowa State has the two game the, the, the series sweep this year, like I just I feel like Kansas State's having a nice season. They're going to have a good season. They're going to finish in the top four probably, but I feel like that's kind of the season. Like like third is the ceiling for them. If if one of the other three really slip up down the stretch, but I feel like this is a true three team race between Iowa State, Oklahoma, and Baylor. And despite that extra loss and the fact that Baylor has an extra game they have to make up because of you know, COVID and such. It uh, the margin does not feel big, not with the way Baylor is playing right now. And I know you has the series sweep over them, but this is uh, this one does feel like it's going to come down to the absolute wire. Um, Oklahoma's got the series sweep, but they've got they've still got to play Texas. We'll talk about that in a minute. They've still got to go to Iowa State. They still get Kansas State at home. We saw what happened, you know, last time those teams played. So they've still got three games that are going to be tough for them. Baylor's got Iowa State road game late in well, the season. They've got Kansas State this week. Like, we'll see there. You know what? Don't don't count out a Kansas team as well. Like, I think that Kansas and Kansas State are going to have a lot to say in terms of playing the role of spoiler. Like, not jumping up to potentially lead the conference themselves. But I, I honestly think that the games against Kansas State and Kansas are going to do more to determine who actually wins because those are games that those top three should win. But I'm pretty sure that at least one or two of them are going to drop one of those games. Um, and so yeah. it's, yeah, it's one of those things. And, and I'm sorry, while, while you were just talking there, Philip, I was looking through the schedule to try to figure out how many of these teams play Kansas, how many of these teams play Kansas State. Um, and just realized that for some reason ESPN has the men's TCU Kansas game that was rescheduled for March 3rd on the women's side instead of the men's side like it's supposed to be. So I was really just going crazy laughing about that. But um, 
Yeah, Kansas has some opportunities to really play spoiler here. They are playing really well. The way that they took off in the in the fourth quarter against TCU today and everything was kind of clicking for them was somewhat reminiscent of the way that Kansas took off for the men's side against Baylor. Um, obviously, the you know quality of opponent wasn't necessarily the same in, in both of those, but Kansas has shown the ability on the women's side to go on spurts to really you know, kind of locked down at times. They did it against Kansas State in Manhattan, you know, where they were down by 14 and like three minutes later, they had tied the game. So like Kansas has the ability to do that and you're going to see that come up against some of these other teams that are just getting beat up all over the place. If Kansas can steal one of those wins, that might be enough to knock one of those top three teams out of a chance for the, for the, for the conference title. Yeah, I mean, I suppose I should say, like frankly at this point, any loss very nearly takes you out of it depending on what other people do but especially Kansas and K-State those are the ones that are the most dangerous and it's it's not going to probably catapult them into their own contention but absolutely they are dangerous very very dangerous for those who still have to play them I know we didn't do this on the men's side. Let's do it on the women's side. Let's look to the week games for this week and decide which ones we're most excited about from just to watch and the potential that they can have for the season. Uh, obviously, Wednesday, Kansas State of Baylor. We get one of these matchups we're talking about, about a, a Kansas or Kansas State team who could play spoiler. Uh, Kansas State going to go to Baylor. I mean, Melissa Smith versus Aoka Lee. Like, why would you not want to watch four quarters of that? That sounds awesome. Um, games not to get tripped up in. I mean, Texas is out of it, but they got to go to Texas Tech. Kansas has to go on the road to West Virginia. They have TCU, Oklahoma State. And then Saturday, we get Kansas State, Kansas. We get the Sunflower Showdown in Lawrence. We get Red River, Oklahoma going to Texas because we talked about Texas being out of it, but Texas is still good enough to play spoiler in a spot like this. Texas could get the win over Oklahoma and shake things up. I mean, it's not like – I know Baylor swept that series, but there was a, it was a close two games between Baylor and Texas. It's still a talented Texas team. Uh, outside of that – I mean, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, which personally, he, let's go Cowgirls. Uh, no offense to West Virginia. Like, West Virginia goes to Baylor. No offense to TCU. They host Iowa State. Like, I, I, like they could climb up, but man, at this point, I would be kind of, it would be a big surprise if one of those teams at the bottom really caused problems for Baylor, an Iowa State, or Oklahoma. I'm, I'm, I know West Virginia almost got the win over Oklahoma. Went into overtime. Oh, you got the victory this past weekend. Two but it, overtime. That's right. Thank you. Double overtime. Yeah. I know it almost happened. Gosh, Philip. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Uh, no, hey, I'm just messing with you. I know. Andy, but you I know, thought it, you were seriously trying to bring me to down, man. Yeah, but no, I mean, it, it is one of those things, though. You look at each of those teams, and like we see on the men's side, you know, and, and over on uh, the – you know, over on my podcast, I talked with Matt Wilson last week previewing the Baylor game. And like on the men's side, every single one of those teams has a guy, right, that can take over a game, can be an absolute stud for that particular game, and can drive the narrative in one particular game. I think you look at the women's side, a lot of these teams have the exact same situation. Texas Tech has Vivian Gray. Uh, TCU has Lauren Hurd. Like, you've got huge players on a lot of these teams that are ha- that are struggling in conference where that player has the potential to take a game over and pull off an upset, especially if they're at home. So like a TCU against Iowa State, look, if if Iowa State is, ha- is having an off night, is not playing as well as they can, 
Lauren Hurd could absolutely take that game over and push them across to, to a victory there. I wouldn't bet on it, but they have the players to have the ability to be able to do that. So it's still going to be night in and night out difficult for these teams to avoid those losses that they really shouldn't take because these teams have the tools to be able to do it. They just haven't been able to do it consistently. You know, what's interesting about that is that the argument I would make, I'm, I completely agree with it. What I would say is the hallmark of the top three teams in the conference is that they don't have a guy. There's a second that in conference has set themselves apart because for instance, Kansas state has a If she's not hitting the other players on that team have not gotten to the point where you can point at them and say, all right, you're taking over the game mostly because her supporting cast is freshmen. When you look at the top three teams on the women's side right now, you've got Baylor who has obviously Nalissa Smith, but right now, their guard play has been absolutely terrific. And so you know that you can have someone who's going to hit their shots. It's usually been like J.B. Asbury has been probably the best, but Sarah Andrews has done it as well. For Oklahoma, you have a very obvious one in both Maddie Williams and Taylor Robertson. And then at Iowa State, you've got Ashley Jones, but then you also depending on the day, have either Emily Ryan, who was six for six from the three yesterday, or Lexi Donarski, who can score from anywhere on the floor. And so that's where it's almost like a two to one ratio where you're talking about it. Like you have to have both of those players on the top teams have an off night. And then the one player from the lower team, which is 100% possible, but that's why we're seeing it a little bit less and why they've separated themselves to the top of the conference. I think it's going to be an interesting week on the women's side. I want to see Kansas State Baylor. I'm so happy that Iowa State's got a bye on Wednesday so I can watch that game. I The gods blessed me. I'm so excited. That one's going to be good. I'm definitely looking forward to the rematch of the Sunflower Showdown on Saturday. Yes, I realize it's it's a Kansas one and that's normally not allowed. But look, that's the two teams that are on the fringe that are all that are fighting for a top four spot. Um, you know, you have Holly Kurzgeter, um, and Chandler Prater is coming on really strong for Kansas down low. She has been an absolute beast the last two and a half weeks. She's been really um, just good. putting up big performance after big performance. Going up against Aoka Lee, I'm going to be really interested to see, you know, Kansas is, is at the point now where they are developing that second and third player that could potentially take over a game. They just haven't been able to do it consistently. So if they can continue that development, it's going to be a really good end of the season for them. Um, but it's going to have to start with a big game against against Aoka Lee in Kansas State at home. Look, uh, yes, that's our rule. But in the situation of a uh, of a rivalry, a true rivalry matchup. Oh, of course. Yeah, dude. Come on. Also, it's more of a football thing, so that we don't just hit the same three teams all the time. You know, <laughs> keeps things fair and balanced. Okay, um, let's talk about this real quick. Uh, caught this on Twitter back on February fourth. Uh, Kansas State. Athletic director Gene Taylor was doing a, a video interview with the, with Brian Smoller, uh, as far as K State athletics goes, talking about NIL, future of Big Twelve, those things. The key takeaway from this is this: Big Twelve is going to go to fourteen teams for two years. Yes, they really do believe that Oklahoma and Texas are going to stay for two years in the Big Twelve after the other four teams arrive. Um, so we're going to fourteen teams. Woohoo! Uh, back to twelve after that. They're going to do divisions. 
two seven-team divisions and then two six-team divisions, nine-game football conference football schedule, 18-game conference basketball schedule. My takeaway from this is this. One, we know how I feel about divisions. I've talked about this ad nauseum on here. Um, Oklahoma, Texas are going to stick around for two years. Cool, awesome, fun. Cannot wait to see them play BYU and UCF and Cincinnati. Be awesome. Um, nine games in football. I think it makes the most sense. Uh, I think from a selling the conference standpoint, you're going to get more value out of that. And I do think it's getting harder and harder to schedule quality non-conference games and trying to schedule an extra one is going to be harder with all this nonsense with the Alliance, which I think is BS, but whatever. 18-game conference schedule with 12 teams. You're not going to add any conference games. So the round robin is obviously gone, and I didn't think they would go to 22, but I thought they might add two because we've seen what that has done for the Big Ten since they chose to do so by increasing the number of conference games. It's actually helped more teams get to the NCAA tournament since they did that. The proof is in the pudding, which is saying I still don't entirely understand, but I'm going to use it anyways because it was there at the top of my mind, and I can do it. The problem I have with this is this. And I, and I I just I I am both a, a fan of this conference and a human being who hopes that things will be different than I know they truly are because we all have hope for things right I just told Kansas State fans don't get your hopes up meanwhile I've been sitting here this whole time like maybe the Big Twelve will take this opportunity to say let's stop being sticks in the mud and be progressive as opposed to regressive and yet here we are. No progressive. No. Not progressive. Not creative. Not original, unique. Not actually looking at what would be the best thing that we could do for this conference to gain it more attention, to maybe bring in some more TV dollars, to try some new things, understanding what, what's coming down the future and there's nothing we can do to stop it. What can we do to try and, and get college football fans and fans of our teams who we need to continue to generate more TV interest and more people coming to the stadiums? What can we do to try and generate more awareness and interest in our conference? We can do the same old BS we've been doing since 1990-whatever when the Big 12 was formed. Yes, I don't remember what year it originally was formed. I'm sorry. I don't have all those facts just readily available to myself. But I could Google it and then edit out the wait time, but I'd rather just admit that I'm not going to do that. I just I look at this stuff and go, you're not even trying. You're not even trying to do anything in any way, shape, or form to do something different. And look, maybe behind the scenes, they're talking with ESPN or they're talking with Fox and talking to whoever they're going to sign a new TV contract with. And they're all like, don't do anything different. Just do this. And I get you can't, you know, pods is weird with 12 teams. I understand my whole bit about like, let's just do some rivalry games and mix everything up. I, I know that's way beyond what they're actually going to do. But this just feels so like, regressive and same old bs that we've all the all fans of the sport have said like do something different but when have the voices of the fans of the sport ever actually been heard it's been run by a bunch of old ass white guys as university presidents and athletic directors that just do the same ass shit over and over and over and over and over again with the same damn results like yeah the problem is this isn't a Big Twelve problem. This is a college football program or <laughs> problem. This is a well. This is a TV network problem. This is. I mean, this is a nobody wants to be the one to rock the boat because you're afraid of what the reaction of everybody else, the people that have run the sport forever, is going to be. 
if the Big 12, if it really came down to it and members of the Big 12 seriously thought that they were in jeopardy of the entire thing imploding, whether that's right or wrong, then they would get more creative. They would feel like they had to. The problem at this point is that I don't think anybody seriously thinks that there's a big issue moving forward. I think they all think that, hey, we've stabilized it, that unless that next shoe drops where someone else in the Big 12 gets poached in the upcoming years or you know something just completely, like there's absolutely no TV money because the TV networks decide that we're literally going to put everything into the Big 10 and the, and the SEC and we don't care about anybody else at all, unless something huge shifts in the landscape, I don't think anybody thinks that they're going to have to make large changes. So it's more of a, we're going to use what works and I hate it. Like I'm thinking of that, that gif that goes all around all over the place where it's that kid literally just looks at the screen and goes, I hate it over and over and over again. Um, I mean, I wish they would be more imaginative, but that's the reality of where we are. It's that nobody wants to be the one to try something new because if it fails, it puts you in a much worse position. If you find the next big thing, that's absolutely fantastic. But with the way that the inertia is in the sport and the way that nobody really wants to embrace something new, like it's going to be impossible for it to catch on unless, you know, like if the SEC did it, they have enough weight right now that they could make a big change like that and get away with it and people would actually pay attention. If someone like the Big 12 does it, even if someone like the Big 10 tried to do it at this point, I don't think it would be successful because who drives the narratives in the sport? It's ESPN. If ESPN isn't on board with it, if ESPN is wishy-washy about it it doesn't get promoted the way it needs to and nothing happens and everybody just assumes that it's not going to work and that they hate the idea i i almost think you're being generous here's the problem the big 10 football season covid everything's weird what do they do the last week of their quote-unquote regular season they have this weird like we're just going to match up the teams in a weird order based off of where they finish in the standings and have one last final game. It doesn't matter if it's a rematch. Let's do something different. Hey, the ACC... And it was fantastic. It was. The ACC literally goes, hey, where's bring Notre Dame in? Forget divisions. We're just going to put the two best teams into the championship game. Hey, guess what? It was awesome. Hey, the Big 12 championship game TV ratings have been good every year. Do you want to know why? Because they put the two best teams in. They didn't put the two teams from the two divisions. You, everyone yeah, was like... The problem there, Philip, is last or when that happened... It was, again, because they had to do something drastic or a season wasn't going to happen. We're not at that point anymore. Everybody's comfortable. The big t- It's like we have these pieces at data point that go, hey, guess what? You should be doing things that are good for the health of, your, of the sport, that's good for the health of your conference, because those things have obvious byproduct. Here's why I think you're being generous. The Big 12, literally, I, everybody was looking for an escape, an escape boat. A life raft. When oh, Oklahoma yeah. and Texas said that they were leaving, and they couldn't find one, so they stayed together. And instead of everybody coming together, going, you know what, screw this, we're going to actually unify all of the way the SEC kind of is, all of the way the Big Ten kind of is, under some strong leadership, and and try and do this right. They went, nah, we're also just going to be every man for himself. Everything that I feel like you're getting right now is basketball doesn't want to give up some home games, or football wants to just do what they. I just feels like a complete lack of strength, strong leadership at the top of the conference remains. And it's still just same old stuff. And I know this isn't a shot at Bowlesby. Like, folks, Bowlesby didn't just, like, walk in one day and said, I'm in charge of the Big 12. He was put in place there by the people in charge of the schools. The schools are his boss. It's the same thing as, like, Roger Goodell at the NFL. He has his job because the people with the money said you're in charge and you're going to be the guy that does these things and we're going to let you do that. This goes back to the schools are all still, still 
after everything that's gone on, have not learned this conference is doomed if you do not unify. Because they don't care. They just want to figure out what's best for themselves. And the problem is that at the end of the day, folks, boys and girls, children of all ages, you aren't going to have a life raft coming anytime in the next 30 years until this thing splits off and does whatever it's going to do. And you best hope you're in a good spot right then. But that's all that anybody cares about is themselves right now. Yeah, I think just final thought for me on this is that it feels like nobody wants to be the next Texas and Oklahoma. Nobody wants to be the next scapegoat for if things go wrong in the conference, which may or may not be a bad thing. Honestly, if things go wrong in the conference um, and you're seen as the power player in that conference, you're more likely to get picked up somewhere. Like if, you know, so it's one of those things where it's kind of a double-edged sword. Nobody wants to be the albatross in the room that tries to run things after Oklahoma and Texas just were got, got dragged all over the place for the way that they ran the conference. And like all of the big 12 problems are being laid at the feet of, Hey, this is a Texas issue. This is an Oklahoma issue. They're the ones that, you know, chose a direction for the conference. They were the ones that tried to veto so many things that we couldn't do what we needed to do. Nobody wants to be the guy that's going to take the blame if, if everything goes wrong, but they're in doing that, they are setting up a situation where nobody is providing the leadership that they need to avoid the problems. And so at this point, it's almost inevitable that something's going to happen. It's just a matter of when, not if. All right, let's end on a happy note. Uh, there's an article in The Athletic about some of the things that are going on recruiting visits um, at Oklahoma State. Uh, recruits are allowed to ride an actual horse out onto the football field. Now, it's not bullet. It's not the actual, like, come here comes bullet. They can't do that because it's technically a mascot, so NCAA rules. Circle jerks all around, dumbass NCAA nonsense. Okay. There is a horse, but you get to go out and ride a horse. And I'm like, what What? 18-year-old what kid doesn't want to put on a cowboy hat, get on a horse, and have a freaking awesome photo shoot on your official recruiting visit? So, of course, this led us down the route of, okay, you're a recruit. You're going to a Big 12 school. Which school would you go to just to ride what is essentially like the mascot? or the official animal of the school. Okay, look, I got to thinking about this, and I was trying to think of stuff, and while I personally think it would be kind of cool to go flying around on the back of a Jayhawk, that's not realistic at all. One, because I don't think they're big enough for that. Um, and two, they're not real, unfortunately. So, um, really, though, if you're really thinking about it, I go back to all the fun that I remember having playing uh, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild on my Switch, and finding bears out in the middle of nowhere and jumping on them and riding them all over the place. And so I say, let's saddle up a bear, head on down to Baylor and go for a ride. Uh, in in a similar vein, as much as I would love to um, slap a saddle on a, on a twister and just see what happens, uh, that also seems probably less than realistic although they do exist and we are getting more and more going right outside my door so i could probably give her a try but i might not live to tell the tale just just pay alternative here, style. come on pay style. alternative whatever i think of twister or of, of a twister or a cyclone i think of the movie twister and the iconic line of I've got to go, Julie. We have cows. So you just set up a cow and it's basically the same thing, right? I could definitely do that. They do not like it, I've heard. But <laughs> I have you tried? I, no, I haven't. I did it, it's genuinely that I've heard, but I I wouldn't try. Cows are very cranky creatures. Um 
No, I I love cats. Uh, really like cats. I love my cat. Uh, she's very small. I could not ride my nine-pound cat. What I could is theoretically ride a wild cat. And uh, there's there's a very common meme, which is if not friend, why friend shaped. And I subscribe to that in regards to big cats. It is shaped like friend cat. I want it to be my friend. And so that's why I would go to K-State and ride the wildcat and never, ever leave. Okay. A um, couple of random thoughts, and I'm going to go weird here. Um, obviously, the bear from Baylor or either of the bears, that's fine. Uh, you're on your own cats. Although I would like to have us like ride like a, the BYU Cougar and the Houston Cougar and have a cat fight, like whilst riding them, just to see if which one actually comes out victorious. Cat jousting. Oh, oh. <laughs> wild that, cat that needs to become a new score. Cougar, cat, new cougar jousting is quite good. Yes. Um, oh man, that's be honest, going in my bank for getting real weird with my life. So uh, if they were still a member of the Big Twelve, it would. Honestly, absolutely be Ralphie the Bison from Colorado. Um, of course. Oh, gosh. Yes. Uh, Bob, sorry, sure. the Buffalo. I just said Bison. Good grief. It's a Buffalo. Um, I'm going to cheat here and actually say I just want to go down to UCF and not ride a knight. I want to ride a rocket because, you know, it's the, the whole like um, <laughs> Space Citronauts. University. So it's a Citronaut. So obviously it has a rocket ship, right? So I'm going to hop a ride with a Citronaut, take a rocket up and around and, and all over the place. Okay. Uh, I couldn't think of a dumber way to end this Look, podcast than that. Honorable mention, though, Bevo. I mean, got the horns to hold on to. You know, Megan. Scared. A fire the cannon. Our Texas podcast does have some longhorns, so I'm pretty sure we could just see if she wouldn't mind if we came down and rode a couple. I mean, granted, after the whole, like, Bevo versus Ugga fiasco at yeah. the Sugar Bowl a few years ago, I'm not sure I want to go anywhere near one of those things. You really think that it's realistic to saddle up a bear and go ride? I mean, come on. I mean, or a rocket. <laughs> I mean, Steve Carell did it in Anchorman, so it's not Iconic. unrealistic. That's, that's what that's a way to end the show. Yep, that's how I judge the realism of my endeavors. If Steve Carell can do it, and so can I. So can I. Okay. Uh, make sure and follow us on Twitter at ten twelve network t and the number twelve the word network. Uh, follow us on the gram at ten twelve pod. Uh, follow Andy at Andy Mitts. 12 and Andy. Yeah. I got a whole bunch of fun stuff. Obviously the rock talk podcast over at rock talk pod, but uh, just launched a brand new Kansas site over on sports illustrated fan nation. It's blue wings, Head on over there. And we're doing some, uh, some fun stuff and are going to do some, some video stuff and some additional stuff that we're still looking to add. So getting geared up for the tournaments though, looking to have a lot of fun there. Uh, follow Jamie on Twitter at J-S-T-E-Y-Z. And remember to follow the Cyclone Fam Pod. Remember not to be confused with Cyclone Vamp Pod, which is a very different thing. Uh, Jamie is off this week, so she's going to be doing some research on some more guests for the show. So if you've got any Cyclone-related uh, or semi-adjacent guests that you would like to have on, uh, just hit her up on the tweets on the birds and let her know. Yeah, uh, I've already had a bunch of women's basketball ones roll in, which is great. Love it. But I would love other suggestions as well. Like, I do have connections outside of women's basketball. I promise I will continue trying to get different guests on. Here's a question. The Olympics going on. Are there any 
And some Iowa State fans were like, how do you not know about blah, 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 blah. Uh, any former Iowa State athletes who turned Olympians? Because it feels like topical. Well, I mean, Bridget Carlton's in Japan, Japan, I think, right now for um, qualifying with Canada. But as far as Winter Olympics go, I don't know of any. Bridget's the only one I know off the top of my head, but I'm sure there, I know that there's more. I would I would just have to do my little bit of research and try and track them down. So the Iowa State fans who listen to the show, this is your time to shine. Let us know. Uh, don't forget to check out Jamie's podcast, Cyclone Family Podcast. You can find all of the shows in the 1012 Network at 1012network.com. T-N, number 12, the word network. Period, C-O-M, in case you're not sure how .com works. I never know. People are supposed to be smart. I'm not all the time. You just might want some clarification. Remember, follow us on Twitter. Leave every show on the network a rating. Five stars, please, especially on iTunes, Spotify, and Good Pods. Uh, leave us a review. I haven't gotten one in a while. I need a review. If you listen to the show and you haven't left me a review yet, please, pretty please, sugar on top. Tell you what, if you leave a review, not only will I read it, I will bring on the guests that you want. Well, I'll try. Like, if you do, like, go get somebody that I can't get. Like, well, that's your... You wasted that. But if you have somebody you'd like to see on the show, leave it in a review. We want to know. All right. That's enough self-absorbed commentary. We'll be back on Thursday. Don't ask me what with. Oh, yes, I will tell you. Softball. Softball season. We're doing our softball preview this week. Why? Because it's freaking college softball and it's amazing. So we're going to have a softball preview this Thursday. You don't care about softball? You should listen anyways because I think you will. Podcast Network.